Hey podcast, welcome back to another episode. Today we've got Ben on from We Ride Mountain Bike Coaching and Guiding. Now this will be a really interesting episode. For a lot of it we talk about a massive accident that he's had and his journey back through his rehab, building himself back up and then getting back on the bike and how he's found that whole transition. There's lots of tips in there for sort of the mindset side of it, for building yourself back up from an injury and just generally for being able to ride better and more confidently. So I hope you really, really enjoy it. So Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome in. Thanks for coming. No problem. Thanks so for having me. You've had a big, big 18 months, haven't you? So I want to yeah. ask you all, all about that, if you don't mind. You can. It's, it's been an interesting 18 months. Different. Yeah, different sure. one word. For sure. So what happened? Tell us about it. Right. I've, I've not actually seen you. So obviously I've seen you post on social media. Yeah. So I know about it from that, but I've not seen you or spoke to you in person no, about no. it. no. Uh, so it was May 22, the infamous day, 4.30ish, maybe, <laughs> afternoon, beautiful sunny day like this. Um, I'd been coaching in the morning. I had two one-to-one two -one sessions and uh, halfway through the morning, the afternoon cancelled on me. So I saw that message, uh, finished coaching in the morning and I was at Farmer John's and I thought, well, why waste an afternoon? It's sunny, it's warm, it's beautiful. There's nobody here. <laughs> Just me. I'll go for a ride. So I just pushed up um, all the way up to the top of the track. I had on the way up, I made my decision what route I was coming down. Um, there was nothing I hadn't done before and pushed up, set off from the hut off the first two drops over the first two jumps and went over the river gap, canyon gap, which is a considerable feature. It's, you know, it's, it's a big jump. And literally as soon as I left the lip, I knew I'd gone too slow. No. Um, and I remember pushing the bike out and forward to hopefully reach the landing. And then it was black. Um, and I don't remember landing. I do remember thinking, ooh, not my hip. But I don't remember pain. Um, a lot of blackness. And I remember saying in my head, stay stood up. You'll be fine. You'll be able to hop up to John's and get help. That's what went through my mind in a, all in a split second of yeah. going from the top to the bottom. The next part I remember is being on the floor and looking for my bike. Because <laughs> my main first call was, where's my bike? Where's the bike all right? <laughs> yeah, where's my bike? <laughs> and my bike was further down the track, just a little bit off the track. And I was like, brilliant. If anyone else comes, they'll miss my bike. Yeah, yeah. Then I was like, well, where am I? And I was like, oh, I'm off the track as well. So they'll miss me as well. That's great. I know. Um, I didn't go unconscious that I know. I didn't bang my head um, in any way. And then I tried to get up and I couldn't move, which was kind of, I wasn't worried at the time, but I couldn't move. Um, no, I could move my arms and my head. I couldn't physically get up. I just couldn't get up. I didn't know what was, what was going on, but there was no pain at all. Um, so I kind of lay there for a minute and uh, then I remember wanting to take my helmet off and I couldn't lift my left arm up to my helmet either. And I was like, why can't I lift my, I could move it like this, but I couldn't get it to my helmet. I remember stretching my arm and something clicking and I could move my arm. And I was like, happy days. <laughs> Still no pain. Took my helmet off and uh, kind of lay there for a minute thinking, right. What do I do? Which is a bit weird because I'm a coach and a guide. So I'm first aid trained. I should know the procedure. But I was like, I'll ring Claire. 
<laughs> just the call she wants to receive. Yeah. So I rang my partner, Claire, and uh, she was like, hello, are you okay? Before I'd done that, what I have on my bike is I have a Garmin and it has an accident oh, that's parameter. Good. So um, when I land heavy, it measures the, the the impact. And as long as I keep moving within, I don't know, it's 12 meters, 10 meters, whatever it is, um, it cancels it. Um, but my bike was within that parameter. So it had actually gone off. It hadn't. It had, yeah. It oh, did it go had. off, but I cancelled right. it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't need that. This yeah. isn't an emergency. Yeah, I just cancelled the emergency call <laughs> and then uh, realised I'd done that. And then, yeah, I rang Claire and she was like, hey, are you all right? And I was like, nope. Oh, no. And she was like, what have you done? I was like, I had an accident. She went, can you move? And I just went, no. Oh, I've got goosebumps, man. This yeah. is horrible. What are we? <laughs> so I was, I don't know. I must have been adrenaline, endorphins, yeah. whatever. I was You're like, no, I was like in a good it? mood. I was like, no, I can't move. She's like, well, have you rung an ambulance? I was like, no, just rang you. She's like, where are you exactly? I'm Farmer John. So she took all the details. She just hung up on me, I think, and uh, rang the ambulance. Then she rang me back and she goes, I've just spoken to John. He's not there. He's in Norway or something. So not he, too far away. No, he says he can't get to you, but he's going to send someone up. And what felt like a lifetime, someone arrived, uh, one of the builders there, and he was like, super friendly, you all right? And I was like, not really. And he's like, well, we'll look after you. Is an ambulance coming? I was like, yep, yep. And then Dan Makin from Dirt Factory uh, came up and he was like, what have you been doing? I was like, oh, I've had a bit of a crash. And he was like, oh. So they, they stood around for a while looking after me and I started to get this pain in my ribs and uh, it was it was really quite painful. And after a bit of investigation, it was simply a stone in the ground that was digging into me so I asked Dan to move it oh, okay. and he just moved it and everything was fine again oh that's good yeah it was nothing bad <laughs> um, yeah so they came it waited about 45 minutes for the ambulance to come which probably felt like four hours about didn't it well they kept me great it was a really warm sunny day that's and then good. Dan put this silver blanket on me and I was like I'm not a turkey what are you doing I'm absolutely <laughs> boiling why have you put this on me well if this goes downhill we're eating you for Christmas yeah and he was like well this will cook you a little bit more I want to keep you warm I was like I'm boiling um, anyway, eventually they just kept me chatting. Ambulance came, two really great ladies turned up. Um, one looked like my sister-in-law, which was a bit weird. And I was like, you look like my Claire's sister, Jane. This is weird. <laughs> um, they were super helpful, gave me the Entenox. Uh, carried on with that a bit. Never had that before. That was that was good. Um, and then they, they did what they did. Um, they really wanted to um, cut my trousers off. And I was like, no. These were expensive. I was like, yeah, these are Rafa. Rafa mountain bike trousers. <laughs> Do you I was know like, how much these pants yeah. cost? I was like, you're not cutting these off. These are like 110 pounds. Once you've rolled me and straightened my legs, you can just take them off. <laughs> and she went, okay. Um, so they left them. They cut my T-shirt off, which was a, a wee ride one, um, and put loads of monitors on me and various things. Um, and then it came to, to roll me once I'd had some morphine and was a bit more happy and stable. Um, and that hurt, that hurt quite a lot, rolling me onto the board. Um, cause I was lying on my side in a recovery position, perfect landing. So I was already there in case I passed out, nobody had to do anything. Um, but yeah, when they rolled me, um, that hurt quite a lot. And then she made a joke of, shall we just straighten your legs and take your trousers off? And I probably said something that I won't say on here and said, no, just cut what you want off. I don't care anymore. That hurt quite a lot. <laughs> Um, by this time, my legs were still bent in like the, in a crouched position, if you like. Yeah, so my like knees were up. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and it was my right leg that I'd done. So I was holding my right leg up with my left foot. And consciously, leg. I'll just consciously do right after the roll, and I was doing that while they were doing things. And in the end, I had to ask Dan Makin to actually put his foot there because I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I couldn't hold myself up, so he stood there for a good probably half an hour, um, just holding my leg in place. Are you still sat down at this point? I was lying on my back. Right. Yeah, I hadn't even sat up. I'd been on my side. And then it rolled me onto over. my back with my legs up. Got um, unbeknown to me, there'd been quite a big internal incident. And unbeknown, I think, to the ambulance, because I was so conscious, so lacking pain. Um, I don't think they realised the severity of what was happening inside, um, because it was life-threatening. Um, nothing had burst, nothing had happened. But um, eventually they came, they, they were ready to take me, and they didn't have any straps to strap me onto the stretcher for, because where I was in John's, I had to lift me at head height over a stile across a field to the ambulance waiting. So they called another ambulance to bring some straps. That ambulance got called away to a heart attack five minutes away. So they're like, well, we're going to have to call another ambulance for straps. By this point, I was a bit, I was high on morphine and Entonox, but I was like, do you know what? There's enough people here now. Just pick me up and take me. And the ambulance were like, well, we can't really. I was like, I'm not asking you to. I'm telling this lot to do it. Oh, okay. If they're happy to do it. And Dan Makin was like, yeah, we'll do it. And I was like, but if any of you drop me, I'm going to come back and I will get you. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had to lift me over the style at head height. I was clinging onto this board, unstrapped. Successfully to the ambulance. Great picture of me in an ambulance like this. My legs up. Uh, and I was taping to Stepping Hill. Um, Stepping Hill was the wrong hospital. Um, it's not a trauma unit. So basically what had happened is they had a bit of a meltdown when I turned up at Stepping Hill because they don't deal with people like me um, who shouldn't be there. Uh, I needed to be a trauma unit, Manchester Royal or um, Salford because the accident you get is such a high-speed impact. You see it in car accidents head-on. You also see it on motocross a lot from 40 foot down, bang. So what had actually happened was my femur and the head of my femur, the ball, had smashed through the socket in my pelvis and gone backwards and displaced, which in itself wasn't the bad thing, but what had happened was my femoral artery had stretched um, close to breaking point. So that's kind of 10 minutes and you're dead if that breaks. Yeah. Um, there's many things I can criticise about the procedures, but I think in the end, normally you'd be putting a vacuum pack, packed up, all secure so you didn't move. I think because I wasn't in pain and uh, wasn't really complaining, they didn't think it was as bad as it was, so they took me there. So I don't want to say it's a mistake. I think it was an oversight and just the way it was. So anyway, I spent quite a while at Stepping Hill with them, umming and ahhing of what they do with me. They wanted to do a CT scan, and I uh, couldn't fit in the in the scanner because my legs were too high. So um, they wanted to move my legs, and I wouldn't let them. So I moved them myself and just lowered them a centimetre, which they were all seemed very impressed with <laughs> that I'd done it myself. <laughs> Um, and then I just fitted in by, by a centimetre and got a scan. Um, I went for a second scan the next day and it was a different team, but they knew who I was. They were like, oh, you're the person that moved your own legs. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> um, but in before, before the second scan, basically. So the position I was in was obviously life-threatening. They didn't want to put me back in an ambulance because they were scared that the movement of me going to an ambulance could rupture my femoral artery. 
Did they know at this point it had stretched? Yeah. Right. So I had, th I think, two or three consultants were called in. Yeah. This was now middle of the night kind of thing, um, all sort of saying, well, we should move him. One was saying, we shouldn't move him. We should do this. And the other one was like, we've never done this here. And they were like, no, I know, but he could die if we move him, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't know this. I'd been seven hours on morphine. I was yeah. just like, yee. <laughs> Claire was there. Uh, she was a bit stressed. Yeah, just um, slightly. <laughs> the only thing I think I got a bit ratty about was eventually I was still holding my own leg up at this point. And I said, can someone just tie a bed sheet across my bed and yeah. hold my leg up, please? Yeah. Because I'm getting a bit fed up. Uh, and that was done. Great. Eventually, the decision was made to put me in traction at Stepping Hill. The consultant who did it, I don't think had ever done it before. He'd never done that operation. What, what does that mean, putting you in traction? So putting me in traction basically means, so my, I'd, I'd displaced like this, they were going to pull my leg back to where it should be. Right. And relieve the tension off the femoral artery. So for those who are listening, your femur was up towards your belly, they needed yeah. to pull it back then out. Pull, my leg would have been shorter. Yeah. They needed to pull to... it back into the same length. So Lovely. they were going to pull my leg back down. Right. And put my femoral artery, which was stretched back to where it should be relieved the tension. Ah, okay. And they did that by putting a bolt through my leg just above my knee um, and through the femur itself. Yeah. And then pulling it back in place. Were you awake for that? Or no. Did they put you out? They're not no, no, they that. knocked me out. So that decision was Claire's to make because I wasn't uh, compass mentis, yeah. obviously, and she made that decision. Uh, and I think it was the right one to make rather than move me at the time. Um, so by now I was literally, I was very European, we'll say, in my appearance. I had knee pads on, I had some Crank Brothers shoes, and I had some Rafa bib shorts, and that was it. <laughs> I was looking really cool, like I'd just come down Morzine. Um So they, they went up for surgery, and this woman appeared with a pair of scissors, and I went, you're not cutting these off. <laughs> these are 140 pounds. <laughs> She's like, what? I was like, you're not cutting these off. She said, no way. She's like, okay. Um, and they didn't. They uh, they appeared and to Claire and said, here you go, we've not cut them off and gave him my bib shorts back, which I've still got and I still wear um, these bib shorts. So yeah, they were saved. Thank God. But they put me in traction, big metal bolt through my leg. Um, and I spent a week in Stepping Hill while I waited to be moved to Manchester Royal right. for my operation. Um, eventually got moved after a lot of battling, a lot of battling to get a bed. Uh, got moved to Salford. Sorry, got moved to Salford Royal. And then within, I think, four days, five days, I was operated on. And then the next day I was out of surgery. So I'd spent nearly two weeks on my back. And the day after surgery, the physios came. And they're like, stand up. So I sat up in bed for the first time and I was like... I feel a bit dizzy. And they're like, what's okay? Just stand up and we'll walk you to the toilet. I made it to the toilet. Good effort. I don't remember anything else after that. Oh, man. Because I fainted. Oh, <laughs> no. Um, and then when I got back in bed, but when I fainted, I was back on my bike. And I was riding bikes and it was ace. And then so I you remember up. it? Yeah, I remember, I remember fainting and going, I'm going to faint. And then I remember riding bikes. <laughs> and then I remember being back in bed and going, that's a bit weird. Why am I back in bed? And they're like, you're really heavy for a small guy. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure how to take this. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, it took five of us to carry you, <laughs> like the distance of your living room. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Um, so yeah, the next day I was gone. I was like, I need to leave now. I was, I was ready to. Yeah. I'd been in hospital too long. Enjoyed the food, quite like rubbish food. I like plain food and I like hospital food. So I was, <laughs> I was having a great time. Um, but I didn't enjoy lying on my back. Yeah, understandable. Um, there were some incidents in hospital. One day they dropped my traction. 
the weights. <laughs> Didn't hurt. Um, but the pain free, when I came out of surgery, my leg from my thigh down was numb. Right. I couldn't feel it. I couldn't move it. At all? No. I could that see was it. scary, wasn't it? Well, I kept asking the consultant, why is my leg numb? And he'd just go, can you wiggle your toes? And I'd wiggle them. And he'd be like, that's okay. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah but. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I want more. And eventually I, I pinned him down and said, look, you need to tell me why my leg's numb. Yeah. And he said, so the piece that came off from your uh, cup went onto a nerve. Right. And you've got two nerves in your leg. One's about blood flow and movement and one's about feeling. Right. And it was the feeling one that had been trapped okay. at the accident which is why he says you've had no pain. Yeah. He says, so in that respect, you were very lucky. Yeah. Because you trapped the right nerve. Yeah, So you course. felt nothing. Yeah. And that's why you can't feel your leg because it's been damaged. Yeah. Um, give it time and it will come back. I'm still waiting. Um, can you feel it now? I can feel I can feel the top half of my thigh. I can't feel the front of my shin. Should we test it out if I give you a... Yeah, <laughs> the other day. <laughs> so in between my two surgeries I've had, which is my shoulder as well, which I haven't even got to yet, um, I've been riding and I didn't know I had a big rock strike. It's just blood everywhere. I hadn't felt it. Oh, wow. So, so literally no feeling. No. Whoa. And in three of my toes. Still 18 yeah, months yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, That's wild. And do they still think that'll come back? Yeah, they hope so, yeah. They say, is it something like a millimetre a day? Have I got that right? Is I it nerves regrow? Didn't give me that much information, yeah, but yeah. it's it's coming back yeah. slowly. It doesn't affect me. Um, yeah, I suppose your shin, not that you want to be able to feel everywhere, but your shin's probably a good place to not feel if it's yeah. going to be somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You don't want it to be like the palm of your hand as an example. No, but the other, we'll probably come to on it, but when the rehab side of it, um, I didn't get any, um, oh, what's it called when you, you do too much, you get that acid in your legs and it burns. Oh yeah, lactic acid. Yeah, I didn't get it in this, I don't get it. Whoa. I know. So if you'd have done the other one, that'd I'd be, have been be like Olympic. <laughs> There's a story and we'll probably come to it, but I'll tell you about something I was doing in the gym and I was like, yeah, I just, I could have carried on all day. Whoa. But yeah, it was amazing. And did it, were you still? I'll ask you about it, after, I'll ask yeah. you about it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually, yeah, I got my surgery done, straight home. Um, I had to move into my sister-in-law's because <laughs> I was supposed to fit a new kitchen in my house and it had just been ripped out and then I had the accident. <laughs> <laughs> so we had no kitchen. <laughs> So we had to find a kitchen fitter and long story that people may not, not want to hear. I bet about. you're very popular, aren't you, in your house after all no. this? No, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't particularly popular for a while um, in that respect. And it cost us quite a bit to get a kitchen fitter in yeah. for the kitchen that was on its way to be installed. So yeah, I had three months at my sister-in-law's house to rehab, which was probably better because I have an old cottage, lots of stairs, yeah, um, no walking shower. I wasn't allowed to put my leg down for three months at all, no weight bearing on it. I could only use one crutch because I, at the same time I did my AC joint. So I separated that. So I couldn't use two crutches. Um, and it was the wrong crutch because it was the same crutch as the same leg. So it was all a bit war weird walking and hopping everywhere. So there wasn't a lot of moving around. But um, yeah. Crazy. That was, that was like a year. Wow. That. Plus then we've got rehab and everything else. Yeah. Around, which was... So I hope you don't mind me asking this question. You can say no. if you do. So were you insured for that then? Did insurance help you out or were you on your own? I had some, but it doesn't cover everything. Right. Okay. So you had to, so you got a bit of help and then just had to find yeah. the rest yourself. Yeah. It's... Nightmare. And yeah, is that your, is that your work insurance as a coach or do you have like separate riding insurance? So both really. And then I've had to, because obviously I had another life, so I've had other skills. So I had to go back and take and work with other jobs. We... <laughs> Right. Yeah, I was never fully full-time. There was always, I think most people in the cycle industry tend to have one or two or three or four jobs going on because yeah. of what they do. So most of the guides and coaches I know um, will do other things. Uh, so okay. They'll either run somewhere like a cafe, bike shop, 
area yeah. say the guys at Forest of Dean do that they'll do other things so I know um, another guide in Wales he wrote books and did articles for magazines as well as guiding and coaching so we all tend to do multiple jobs which takes up seven days a week yeah I've got you right okay I'm with you so at least you were able to take up the slack with some so, of the uh, other yeah. stuff you could luckily do. I could I could do moving to do other things as well and and yeah take that slack up so sounds like it's been rough so what I've quite enjoyed it <laughs> I'll be dead honest you must have had some well you may not have done did you have like mental impacts from this because you've been through a very traumatic whether you view it that way or not it's a very traumatic experience isn't it like, I've had bad days yeah yeah yeah, there have been tears. Yeah. They've been very grumpy, grumpy Ben. Um, very frustrated. Um, but I kind of took it as this has happened, I have to accept it. Um, and I always said my shoulder would be more annoying than my leg would ever be, and it is. Um, when my leg happened, it was there was a point where I'd gone from being who I was to what I am now. And I had to accept that because there was nothing I could do about it. The only thing I could focus on was getting back to being the person I was as quickly as I could with the right help, right people and doing it myself as much as I could. But from day one, the moment I had that accident, I was like, this is a new part of my life and I need to accept it. And I think for the vast majority I did, but there would be days when, yeah, toys would be out the pram. I wouldn't do my physio. I'd be like, no, I don't want to do this. I'm not doing it. It's pointless. It hurts. It's just, yeah. And then the next day I'd be a different person. And I'd be like, right, come on. Yep. Get the bands out. Gotta to go to hydro. So one thing I hate, and most people know this who know me, I hate swimming. <laughs> I hate water. I don't like it. I'm not scared of it and I can swim. I don't like it. Okay. Okay, I don't do baths. I do showers. <laughs> um but I had to go to hydro therapy. Oh, it was like the worst nightmare. That, that was yeah, that took some getting over. <laughs> I knew it would help me. And this consultant was like, You've got to go as soon as you can. I was like, Really? So it's like three or four times a week in a pool. <sighs> That was the hardest. Can this pool involve bikes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The hydro, where I went for my rehab, the hydro was nice and warm. The pool in Chesterfield was freezing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so cold, the public pool. <laughs> Kids jumping over you with no, you're like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like walking my rubber bands on a crutch and they're like doing dive bomb over me. And I'm just like, I'm trying to walk here. Um, the best thing about hydro, and we may be jumping ahead, was, was standing up for the first time in three months. What did that feel like? Amazing. Yeah. Because I could do it before I could actually stand. So it was kind of like, I'm walking into the pool down the ramp with my, uh, holding onto the rail, hopping, trying to hop in water. And as it got deeper, it's really hard to hop. Right, yeah. <laughs> in water. Yeah, yeah. So eventually they're like, put your foot down. And I was like, mm, I'm scared in case it all explodes. Um, but I started to walk and I walked across the pool. I was like, look at me walking. Totally forgot I was in water then. Then I was like, oh, I'm in a pool. I'm not happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, hydro was a massive part of it. Without that, yeah, it wouldn't have wouldn't have got there. Along with lots of other things, but hydro was at the beginning. Did you ever worry that you wouldn't get back to walking and whatnot? Did that ever enter your head, yeah. or was that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, you know, you speak to the the consultants and the surgeons, and you say, "What what are the outcomes of this?" And I think a lot of the time they deal with car accidents or people who have other accidents that do this. And one of the big things is you can have the ball socket obviously needs blood to it because it's a bone and that blood um, supply can go away and that then that ball will start to degrade and they'll basically you could within the next in the first six to 12 months have a hip replacement as well and okay. I was like what they're like yeah we might have to take bring you back in open you back up put your hip replacement in I was like really they're like well yeah 
I was like, yeah, that's not happening. And that was just based on what happened. So you had no control over that. That was just, we'll keep testing. We may or may not. Yeah, happen. I had to go back regularly, like once a month. that was hard having that over your head, wasn't scans. it? Yeah, you know, because you can't see yeah, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all part of this, the first time I was like, I need to find someone. I think I probably spoke to you. Yeah, he spoke said, to me at the time. And Can I you said... help me? And you went, no, <laughs> go away. <laughs> once you're fixed, I can. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine. No, just be honest with me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I found... Uh, you worked with Jan, Yannis? Oh, Yannis, yeah, so Yannis. Olympus Pro. I met him once. Yeah, and Harrison Ross. Yeah, you physios. ended up training at a very cool place, didn't you, in uh, Wilmslow? Yeah. So you've been where all yeah. Danny McCaskill and all, all the, the pro Red Bull athletes train. Yeah. You're in the exact same gym, aren't you, as yeah. Danny Mack and all the rest of them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also got treated that way, which was horrendous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? So no. they're pro athletes. They've got the time to do this and they've got, it's hard. The rehab was hard. I bet. What you're asked to do and what you're asked to achieve. And there's a reason for it. And it's done its job. Um, you know, basically I had three months of no weight. And then I was told I could put my leg on the floor. And literally the following week I was on a leg press machine. And I was like, wow. why? And he was like, mm, we can crack on now. You can do weight. And I was like, yeah, but that's a leg press machine. Single leg. You want me to do this? And I was like, He's like, it's 50 kilos. How much do you weigh? And I was like, 85. And he's like, exactly. You can stand up for that period on 85 so you can handle this. I was like, mm. Was that the physio, Harrison Ross, or was that Yanis? Yanis. Yeah, right. Because Yanis, I know, obviously works with, um, oh, his name was just in my head. What's he called? He works there. He owns the unit. Oh, I don't know. Darren Roberts. Right. You must have met. Did you meet Darren? You must have done. Probably. I met quite uh, a few. Yeah, there. yeah. Because I know Darren Roberts and Yanis, that obviously a lot of them have worked with the Red Bull athletes, haven't yeah. they? I was once at a seminar there with the PT company I used to work with. Um, so it was with Darren Roberts, who's like the Red Bull head performance yeah. coach, something like that, who runs that little unit that you were training in the gym. And it was Rat Boy who uh, came in. I didn't know it at the time because I wasn't a mountain biker. And he came into this seminar to chat to mm. us. And I remember them saying at the time, they, they cut the recovery times like a third something ridiculous and the way they do that is by doing what they've done with you yeah. so a normal person would go on the leg press eight weeks down the line yeah, yeah. whereas they're like right yep week one let's go get on the leg press yeah, yeah. and they like get the cast off and get people doing leg extensions mm -hmm. and all sorts i remember as a total side note i remember rat boy coming in it must have been towards roughly at the end of when he was training mm -hmm. and um you could ask questions and i was really interested in, the reason i asked this i was really interested in the mindset behind yep. it so he said oh have you got any questions for anybody so um what's it called josh bryson so i asked josh i was like why is it so important to you to be number one like why not number three or number five and he looked at me like I'd just sort of said <laughs> I'd murdered his mother. <laughs> it like looked at me like it was the sh most stupid question he's yeah. ever been asked before. And I kind of realized in that moment, I was like, to an athlete, like it's just everything. Yeah, yeah. Number one is what you're going for. So total side note there. I can't remember what injury it had, but he was rehabbing from some kind of injury, mm. which is why he was there on the day. Um, yeah. But it's a cool setup, isn't it? So for those that you've got Wilmslow Total Fitness, which is a massive gym. It's yes. the size almost of uh, an Ikea. Oh, it's we say? Yeah, it's huge. Massive. Um, so it's got a big running track around it. <laughs> it's got a huge pool and hydro pool, which uh, Ben loves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then at the top corner, you've got Harrison Ross, which is a really like high-end physio, isn't yeah. it? You work with all the pro footballers, pro athletes yeah. and everybody. Right next door to that, you've got um, 
I don't know what they actually call that section, but it's like where they train all the red blood. Yeah, it's like the people. athlete section. So yeah. they don't take the, if you go, you can go there as normal physio uh, for physio and go into the back room. Yeah. With Harrison Ross, but if you're one of the, if like an athlete, yeah, <laughs> they take you into there for their treatment. So they have and that's on mirrored windows, isn't it? So when yeah. you're in it, you can see out to the rest yeah. of the gym. But people looking in, I've no idea who's no. in there because I know I've been there and Danny McCaskill rocked up. Yeah. I was like, hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's random people. There's lots of football. I'm not. I'm not into football, but quite no, often there are footballers in there. And then, you know, you're like, I don't know who you are, but I know you're a footballer, but yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then there's me uh, trying to do stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a very good facility. And without it, I can say hand on heart, I wouldn't be be where I was right now. So where are you up to now? I'm totally signed off from my leg. Brilliant. Um, I Did had... you injure your shoulder? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Mm. Did you do your shoulder in the same injury? Yes. Right. Okay. Same time. What did you do to your shoulder? You've not... So it was an AC joint. So um, in my shoulder, there's... there's uh, a bone which isn't really connected to it connects only to your spine the rest of it's held by ligaments and i think there's five ligaments and i did three which means the bone pops up and sticks up a lot out of your shoulder um it's graded one to six so one two and three they don't operate on okay four five and six they operate you're seven i was four i was three <laughs> so three oh, is okay. basically unless you're a professional athlete or a laborer um they won't operate on you so I was trying to convince them I was a professional athlete and they were like, well, we've got more important things to do at the moment and that's a bit lower down. We're going to sort that out. So they kind of just ignored it and it didn't bother me. I had no restricted movement. I had no pain in it. Um, the biggest thing was when you're on the bike and I leant forward and on the bars and when it got steep, the two bones would bang together on the descent and it was kind of annoying and that hurt after a bit and it was annoying about, that's a nice way to put it <laughs> yeah it didn't hurt it just bang 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 oh so it actually didn't hurt no, right and, okay. but it was about 15 20 percent weak in my arm so if you hit a big like hole my left arm would just collapse got you and i'd go really far forward on the bike um so i lived with that i rode with it it was fine i did some coaching with it and it was okay um but i really wanted to find the right person to do the right type of operation on it so most of the uh consultants wanted to do what's like a, a button method so they basically take a small piece of ligament or tendon from a cadaver dead body whatever or yourself and they put two buttons on top and pull the bone together and for the general public i think that is a good method it's done on um, keyhole surgery it's quick it's quick recovery but most anyone who's active has it they often break and then you're back to square one. Oh right okay there's another method called lockdown which is a much bigger surgery. They cut a three, four inch scar across your shoulder. They cut an inch of your bone away and they wrap an inch nylon piece of strapping to the bone below, wrap it over yours, pull it down and screw it in. Um, Mark Cavendish had it done. A lot of professional rugby players have this done and it lasts and it puts your shoulder back in place and makes it stronger and more stable. So I had to, I got myself referred three times to different consultants and eventually got to the one I wanted in Huddersfield, of all places. Um, and he booked me in and did it. Right. But it took a while. So basically, he, I had an appointment. They cancelled it. There's a story behind this if you want to know about it. Uh, so the first time I had booked in, they cancelled me. And they rang me up on the Friday when it was due on the Monday and said, we're going to have to cancel. Um, there's some extra things we need for you and we can't get them. I went, no problem. Understand. She went, and obviously, um, you'll need to rebook because you're clinically obese. So I went... For those listening to this, Ben is not clinically <laughs> obese. Or if you looked at him, he's definitely not. He's lean and slim. Yeah, so, I went, so I paused and went, okay. <laughs> and put the phone down. And I was on speakerphone and Claire was like, 
did she just say you were obese? And I was like, clinically, yeah. She was like, boy, she said Claire's a bit, she was like, that's wrong. I phoned them back. So yeah, I went on the NHS website and there's a bit where you can test where yeah, you're obese. And I came up as not obese, oh, shockingly. Right, okay. So I rang the back and said, hey, I've just done your test online. And he's saying I'm not obese. She's like, well, we've got you down as obese. When you came in to the hospital, you were measured and weighed and you're coming as 85 kilos. I went, yeah, that's what I am. She went, how tall are you though? That's what I said. So how tall have you got me? Five foot four. <laughs> and she said it in centimetres. And I went, what's that in proper? She went, I think it's four and a half foot. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not four and a half foot. I promise you, I'm six foot. <laughs> She's like, well, he measured you and we've got you as four and a half yeah, foot. But I think I would know if I was a foot and a half shorter. <laughs> I said, unless I was on my knees, I said, he's got it wrong. And she went. They measured you when your leg was popped inside. Yeah, That's maybe, what's happened. Maybe. <laughs> You're a foot and a half shorter. So yeah, they had me as this really small person that was 85 kilos and needed a bed <laughs> for overnight because I was a risk. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was like, well, I'm not. She's like, well, we can't reinstate it. So we'll have to book you again. So they booked me again. And then I decided to cancel that one. Um, I had a wedding, family wedding to go to. and I didn't want to go in a sling. Um, so I booked it again. So it just dragged on for yeah, months, okay. uh, which is why it's now, but it's kind of turned out okay. Cause I got to ride the summer. It's now winter and I'm kind of about to start riding again in the deepest, darkest winter. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how much. So happens. when was your first ride back then? It was probably about a year. God, you were on the bike fast then, weren't you? So you're on the bike after roughly six months of this. Is that right? So it was probably a year from the, from the hip. So oh, a year after the hip. Three sorry. months of not walking, then I probably had a good six to nine months of rehab. Yeah. So I was allowed to ride the stationary bike. Yeah. Which I absolutely love. Um, <laughs> the sarcasm there. I quite like stationary bike. Well, no. <laughs> I want to be outside riding and that's it. <laughs> Level two for an hour and a half. <sighs> oh, an hour and a half pushing it. I do about 45 minutes in the morning and yeah, I generally a... talk to Sophie on the phone for half an hour. Yeah. So Don't tell Yanis, but yeah. I used to do half 45 minutes because you did 45. <laughs> Matt does 45 minutes. I'm going to do 45 minutes. <laughs> And it's like, you've done an hour and a half? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did, did some longer ones, honest, Yanis. Um, but yeah, so I was supposed to go back to the consultant regularly, all the way through. They scanned me, look at me. Went back at a year and um, I was sat in the waiting room. He came out, he called me, I jumped up, strode across the room, sat down. I, uh, he's like, we don't get many people that do that, like you've just done after a year. And I was like, Oh, get up. And he's like, yeah. He said, looking at your um, x-ray, you've got zero bone degradation. Everything's in place. Brilliant. Everything's working. Um, we're going to sign you off. And we're going to sign you off a year early. Because I should have seen them for two years. Whoa, wow. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. If we were going to get this bone degradation, we'd have got it by now. He says, all I'll say is, whatever you are doing, keep doing. Because it works. I don't, he said, I don't know what you're doing. But keep doing it. So presumably you sorted all the physio yourself, didn't you, with Yanis? Because I remember when you messaged yeah. me and I was not the right person for the job. Yeah. Um, I think I might have recommended speaking to Yanis, actually. I can't now. remember. We'll ago. have to look through the messages. I think I might, because I think I met him around the same yeah. time and I knew he worked with like cases yeah. like yours. I could be wrong, we'll have a look. Anyway, yeah, I didn't, um, do, didn't do the um, NHS physio. Well, it'd been nothing like no, it what was, you that got was there. To basically, they, they, they did my first day in hospital, which was basically to get me from my bed to sit in a chair. Yeah. Um, I bought all my own stuff for home. So I had to have a raised toilet seat. I had to have various things. Um, I wasn't allowed to sit on any chair like this that wasn't below 22 right. inches high. Wow. Um, day one I did. 
when I came home, I sat on a sofa and it was way softer than I expected and sank and made a little cry. And uh, I got lifted up quite quickly. But um, yeah, for quite a while, there was a lot of restrictions in place. I had to have seat raises and things of all different heights just for me. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I got signed off a year early and that was literally down to the work that Harrison, Ross and Yanis put in. Yeah. And um, yeah, I put in as well, you know. Oh, absolutely. Every day in the gym. At the end of the day, the, phys the physio and Yanis doesn't work if you're not actually doing the work. Because, nah, you know, even if you're seeing them three times a week, yeah. you've still got to do all the rest of it, haven't you? Yeah, it, it was once a week. Is that all it was? Wow. So doesn't it just show, though, the difference between a year? So you literally yeah. have to recovery yeah. time because you put the work in to get yeah. better. Yeah, you have to put the work in. I think if I could have been really lazy and not done it, I could have not gone to hydro and that would have been a dream. But I did it and uh, suffered that. But, but it would have been easy, wouldn't it, for those days where you did feel like down and maybe depressed yeah. like, and just feeling really yeah. fed up and down in the dumps. It would have been easy for that to drag on from a day. Yeah. Did you literally just, you said that you'd have a day where you felt really bad and then you'd wake up the next day and then things were better and you felt great again. Or you felt better again and felt willing to do yeah. it. Is that, was it literally like a switch? Is that, or did you have to uh, actually do anything to get yourself to do it again? So I've suffered with depression on and off for a while without this yeah. uh, separately, which I'm, I'm happy and open to talk about. As yeah, well. yeah. But um, so there's methods and, techniques you can put in place and i do a lot of appreciation appreciation of what i've got where i am what i'm doing it doesn't matter what the situation is you've always got something that's going to be good and always trying to look at a good something good coming out of a bad situation so rather than always looking at the negative um so even though this was clearly a traumatic event could have been massively life-changing there was going to be a positive and every day i had to try and look at that positive and every day i was getting closer to the three month point so the first three months three months to put my leg down was the goal right put my leg down and be able to stand up happy days that's a positive next one was then what do i do from there yeah. so i didn't i didn't know where i was going to go after that journey my first journey was three months and that's what i focused on every day sitting on my bed trying to do abductor training lifting my leg up over a weight putting it back down joyous ones rubber bands kicking my leg backwards and things like this building my booty which had totally gone <laughs> so when i had the operation i could feel the metal in my bum I could press it and feel oh, it. Oh, right. Oh, That's God. how much they destroyed the my muscle, yeah. Um, so I had to build all that back up. So, yeah, it was breaking into segments. And then if I had a bad day one day, I knew I knew tomorrow would be better. And I'd wake up and I'd be positive and I'd make myself be positive and I'd make myself go. I still might not want to do the physio or do it, but I'd make myself do it. And Claire was a big supporter. She was like, you've got to do it. Have you done it? Do it now. Let's do it. Um, the whole family were, you know, I had a bed. Uh, like a medical bed brought up to the room where I was so I could actually sit on that because it was higher. I could do my physio on that. There's a lot of the family working medical side, so they have a lot of equipment. So I think without the whole support of that all support network, it would have been harder. Mm. Still doable, but harder. Yeah. Um, but you've got to have that support network and sometimes it's not, it costs money. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think had I gone down the NHS route, I would have been up and about. I may have had a limp. I may not have been riding because it would have just been to get you moving. Oh, yeah. The physio would have been... So it's a very different case, but I've done both wrists <laughs> for separate occasions. But the most recent one, I think it was 2019. So I had, a, had it plated and all that jazz. So I've still got a scar. Um, but I had physio for that. And I think I had one five-minute appointment, mm. I think it was. 
And it was kind of, yeah, do this movement with the band, do this movement, yeah. do this movement. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fine, just do that every day. So you, like, that, that was it. Like, yeah. I'm sure if I'd have really pushed, I could have got some more, mm. but I knew what to do to strengthen up my wrist. Yeah. It's not like, it's not as complicated as yours. It's just strengthening up the wrist and doing various things. So I did it myself. I remember I was, I had the cast on, I was doing push-ups on my cast yeah. and stuff. And I was in the gym, like lifting weights within two or three weeks, as best as I could, like two kilo dumbbells and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you, you just wouldn't have got anything no. like the support. And you probably wouldn't be in anywhere near the position that you're in now after just 18 months because no. you can't tell anything is wrong with you in inverted commas. When you walk through the door, no, no. can't There's pick no up on it There's at no, all. No, yeah. no. There was a limp for a while after the first three months. I did limp and I'd get told off all the time to stop limping because it was it would become a habit okay. as well. Yeah. Um, so it was like, stop limping. Yanis was really good. I'd be like, oh, my bad leg. He's like, you don't have two bad legs. You've just got two legs. Yeah. One's just a bit weaker. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so Yanis is an ex-Marine as well. I don't know if you know. He's an ex-Greek Marine. I didn't know I've only met him once for about half an hour. He's an ex-Greek Marine. I think he's an ex-Olympic gymnast for Greece. I didn't know that either. The guy has zero sympathy, right? <laughs> you, you can moan all you like. I think at one point he brought out this miniature violin because I was moaning that much. A physical miniature violin? Yeah, it was oh, really about this big, about an inch big. And he was like, fantastic. I was like, because <laughs> he'd make me do these exercises that I just hated. Or they weren't hit, just hard. But they had to do them. Yeah. But yeah, he's without that pushing, he was just like, well, I don't care, just do it. <laughs> just come with it. And I was like, Ugh. you know, single leg Romanian deadlifts. Yeah, yeah. I bet out they're hard they when you're totally able-bodied. So <laughs> yeah. when you've got an injury. <laughs> Doing them on my right leg, I was like, I can't do those. But um, yeah, it was just, it was definitely been a journey and it's been an experience. And it's taught me a lot of things. It's taught me that I've, ri I've ridden mountain bikes for 30 years. I'm older than I look. Um and I've never done any training except ride my bike. Right. Ever. And going to the gym now, been doing it, you can feel the difference on your bike and it's so important. And some of the kids I've coached, we used to do, I want to go to the gym, I want to go to the gym. And I'd be like, just ride your bike. They now go to the gym and I'm so glad they do because it's such an important part for them to develop their riding. And they're still young. This was like 13 when they wanted to go to the gym. I never thought about a gym in my life at 13. Now they're 15, 16 maybe. They're at the gym. I see them on Instagram lifting, doing deadlifts and squats. I'm thinking, mm, I'm not sure I could do that. Yeah. That's more than I was doing for rehab. <laughs> um, and they're smashing it. And it's really important, that important part of having that training outside, winter training and weightlifting and strength and mobility, I've found. That yeah. I'm not very mobile. I'm mobile, but I can't move. I can't stretch. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people don't, people who have never considered weight training don't realize that side mm. of it because there's a big difference between going to a bodybuilding gym yeah. and trying to bench press as heavy as you can, yeah. which to a certain extent, if nobody's ever trained before, if they start bench pressing, it's going to help on the bike. Mm. But there's a big difference between that and doing movements that really help you on the bike. Yes. The gym that I train at, which isn't far from here, is not a bodybuilding gym, but the majority of people in the section I train at you know, want to they go yeah, in the big. vests and they want to yeah. get ripped and they're twice the size of me. And there's a weight area with three benches and I'll often be stood just to the back of the bench and everybody's doing curls and lat raises and dumbbell presses. Mm. And I'll often be in there doing kettlebell windmills, which is like your hands over your head yep. and you're touching your toes and single leg Romanian yep. deadlifts. And I am 100% the odd one out in yeah, that yeah. area. And I still do some of the same exercises like dumbbell presses, but I look like a weirdo compared to them with the yeah, exercises yeah. I'm doing. And I think that's what some people, some do, some people just don't understand that yep. doing 
it's not even it is sport specific but it's also all about movement yeah. being able to move properly and people don't get that i think sometimes they think the gym is just going squatting deadlifting yeah. pressing on the machines and it isn't no uh, it no, isn't just that yeah. yeah i used to do some very strange things in my rehab <laughs> i can imagine some very and people would be looking at me going what are, are you doing? doing and because you look like you know what you're doing yeah because you're doing it properly because yeah. you've been taught they'll be like oh he must know what he's doing yeah. like when i'm in the weights area I, I don't get too many funny looks i think because i look like i know how to do it properly mm. but i can understand how like it is totally different to what other people are in yeah there. Wow. you mentioned that now that you weight train you notice a difference on the bike so for somebody so experienced with riding and you know riding mm. to an absolute technical detail what are some examples of the differences that you've noticed just the control you can have um, especially on the core and your shoulders side, because obviously your legs get worked on your bike, so they're up and down, they're the, they're the powerhouse, your lungs and things. But having that control in your grip, in your shoulder strength, in your core, means you can do more things on the bike and you can apply pressure in different ways. You can actually control the bike more. So it's not, you can push further as well. Um, it's something that I would, you know, yeah, I wish I'd done a long time ago when I was racing because you could have gone a bit quicker. Yeah. I think it's probably held me back a little bit from riding and things like that. And it's also protecting, protects you from injury. I think I've always, you know, I've never broken anything. <laughs> and then I did it in style. You're going to do something. <laughs> so I've had some big crashes, but never broken anything. Whereas I know people, some people can have crashes. I've had them on coaching courses and they've literally just fallen sideways and broken their hip. Yeah. And it's like, wow. <laughs> okay, how did that happen? Um I think, yeah, just the weight training is, is strength. It gives you more control and it just gives you protection for when you when you will crash. Yeah. I don't think it's not if, it's when. Yeah. At some point you will. Yeah. However small or big that will be and it's going to protect your muscle and your body mm. more. It's very important. No, I obviously 100% agree. It's yeah. always interesting to hear it from the viewpoint of someone else because when I say it, it's obviously always backed up with the fact that I'm selling a program that sells that. So... I think some people, definitely not everybody, it'll be in the back of the mind. Well, yeah, you're telling me to train, but you also want me to pay to train. So, of course, you're going to say that. So, it's always interesting hearing so, it from people yeah. totally separate because they know that, like I, the reason I've got MTB Fitness and I've built it on getting, ideally, every mountain biker to mm -hmm. train off the bike is because I know the benefits. But, obviously, some people will... will 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 doubt that side of it. So, it's always good to hear it from people totally, totally disconnected from that. So I've got two examples. I'll give you the first one. Okay. After I got signed off from my hip, I was riding in Warncliffe um, with a friend and I crashed. And I crashed on my hip, on a rock. And I was fine. I lay there for a minute and I was like, ooh, okay, I'm all right. And I think if I hadn't done all the strength training around my leg, yeah. it would have been a, could have been a different story. Yeah. There wasn't even, a, you know, there was no aching afterwards. There was nothing the day after. And it was a decent crash. It was straight onto my hip. That was what hit first. Not my hands, not anything else. I just went down on my hip and I was like, really? Of all the places I can land <laughs> is my right hip. Are you kidding me? Um, I've also put my foot out since and had impact yeah. that way, which is how I did it. Yeah. The, you know, I stuck because I pushed the bike out. My leg was out. Got you. And that pushed straight back. Yeah. Um, and I've done that riding the bike and that was fine as well. And I don't, like I said, I don't think without the strength and building all the muscle back and all the work we've had to do. Um, yeah. I'm not as strong as I was. Yeah, understandable. It's, it's worn off now. Yeah. No, I mean, it's worn off. I, oh, do you not train? I think my single time? leg, that, my single leg uh, leg press was 150 kilos. Whoa. I can't do that now. Good don't, effort. Don't tell Yanis. Um, 
I'm like one one twenty now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long way though. That good job. Yeah, <laughs> I remember um, scary <laughs> <laughs> on one of the first rides back. I think it was literally ride three after having my wrist operated on. So it obviously felt amazing to ride. Mm. And you'll know it. You know, um, top of boat lane. Yeah. And then you've got the yeah, yeah. ride away over there. So it's just on there. So it's not a technical trail. And I was about 20 mile an hour on the top. Of all of the things to happen, my cranks literally fell apart and they came oh, no. outwards from the bottom bracket. So if you imagine I'm clipped in yeah. and both feet, fizz or one foot literally came Left. out <laughs> and I had the crank attached dangling. to the bottom of my foot <laughs> dangling around whilst one foot was still on so naturally i had a crash yeah <laughs> i remember hitting a rock um went over the bars and i was supermaning through the air with both hands up and i knew i was about to land on my wrist and it goes in slow motion doesn't it when yeah. you have a crash and i remember just as my right wrist my right hand was about to hit the ground i tucked it underneath me and did a roll and stood up in one motion <laughs> and ozzy my mate was behind me was like oh my god are you okay and i literally stood up and was like i'm fine i rolled i rolled <laughs> so for the next three months that was the uh, roll yeah, tuck and roll, yeah. <laughs> but the second example I've got, and it's not a promo for you, but it is, is I was going on a trip once and I felt like I wasn't fit. And I did your 16 and 12 weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did them both before yeah. the trip. And it made a massive difference. They were big long oh, days, six hours on the bike. Um, they were hard. Yeah, good. <laughs> they should be hard. <laughs> they were hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think there were Romanian deadlifts in that, single leg yeah. ones. Um, and that was a long time ago. That was before my accident, before anything. I was yeah. like, I need to get fitter. How can I get fitter over the winter? I don't want to ride as much, or I'm not going to ride as much. Right, I'm going to do this. Yeah, um, Yeah, and it did work. And that was kind of my first, oh, training works. And I only did it at home. Yeah. So I can only imagine if you'd gone to the gym, there's probably, you know, it's different. It's, I think now if I did them, again, I'd do it at the gym. Yeah, so I th that's quite a good topic, actually. So, like, on the app, so I don't sell the 12 and 16-week programs anymore. It's basically yep. been replaced by the app where the programs trained every month. Um, but you get gym and home included in that. Yep. And people often ask me which is better. So I think if you have unlimited time availability and budget, you have to pay for a gym yep. membership, I think it's always better to train in the gym mm. because you've got all of the equipment there. Um, which is better you can yep. lift weights so if you're doing a leg press as an example you can literally start on 10 kilos yep. and then do 20 and then do 30 and then do 40 which is you can replicate it with resistance bands at home but it's not quite as easy no. however um so i think gym is always better but i think there's a lot of people who don't want to go to the gym because it's intimidating yeah, yeah. who really struggle for time so they have half an hour free to train the day people like that training at home is absolutely ideal because you can go in your front room or in your garage mm. and you can just train there and get it done fast yeah and doing that will get you 70% of the results yeah. that training in the gym will. You can get up to a really like good level yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, it worked for me. I only did it at home. I never went to the gym, yeah. so I was not a gym person. Yeah. Now I just... Now look at you. Spent like a year and a half in a gym <laughs> every day, five o'clock. So yeah, you're working on your shoulder. So you're back training in the gym then? Or are you doing all home stuff still? No, I'm in the gym. I go right. most days. Oh, perfect. Good yeah. lad. I suppose go this morning. Then I saw your post, how you've been to the gym. And then I was like, oh, all I've done is walk the dog. So I just really, I was tired. <laughs> I saw Yanis yesterday and I'm stiff because we've just gone to level three. We've gone up a level. So um, the consultant said, three months, no weights, no training, no nothing. Said this to Yanis and he went, no. <laughs> um, so I'm now on weights, don't tell my consultant, um, doing everything time under tension. Oh, so yeah. everything's super slow. Yeah, burns, doesn't it? Well, except not that right leg. So actually- Oh, you were gonna tell me about, sorry, go on. This is numb, my shoulder. I can't feel my shoulder. Okay. So no, it doesn't burn. <laughs> I can do what I want. <laughs> my leg, yes, you asked. I was going to tell you about my leg. I remember. I will. So yeah, I was back with him yesterday. I'm a bit stiff in my chest. We were doing like um, flies, uh, 
on old press. Yeah. Five kilos. I'm on it. <laughs> Nearly killed me, they did. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what this is. When you're lying down, you put your arm right behind your back. Yeah. All of three kilos. You, yeah, know, you don't need much weight for that kind of stuff, do you? Like no, he said, don't do work. a lot because it will dislocate your shoulder. I'm yeah. like, okay, I'll not do it with the 17 kilos. <laughs> he said, don't lift them anyway. So yeah, maximum I'm on is 10 at the moment, but I'm back pushing weights up, Brilliant. which is amazing. I'm two weeks away from uh, the end of November, which is my shoulder sign off. Great. So then I'm back to normal, I'm back, fixed, done. Yeah, consultant just said, carry on after that. Yeah. Do what you want. Fantastic. So, so yeah, I was going to tell you about my leg and my lack of... Uh, yeah, what's it called? You don't again? feel any lactic acid. Lactic acid. Oh, yeah. I've got a problem with that today. Yeah. All right. So we're Good on the. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we were on the um, machine where you have your legs open and bring them in. Yeah. And push that camera. The adductor machine. The adductor machine. Yeah. yeah. So know. you sat with your legs spread. <laughs> yeah. And then you push them inwards yes. so your knees touch. Or you can do the opposite where you push them out. Yeah, your abduction. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're on that, the abduction machine. The one pushing out. Yeah. And yeah. we were doing it to uh, failure. See where it was. Yeah. And on my left leg, we did it, at, I think it was 25 kilos. I did 22. Yeah. Something like that. And we did it on my right leg and I got up to 40. That's fascinating. And you think that's because it didn't burn? Because your left leg started burning, so you had to stop? Yeah. That's fascinating because I've always wondered if you didn't feel a burn, whether you'd be able to carry on or not. I could have carried on. Yeah. He said, you need to stop because you might injure yourself. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm on like 40 or something. I was just like, yeah, this is fine. I can do yeah. this all day. <laughs> and I don't get it on the bike. Right. If I'm climbing, my, I have to listen to my left leg. It'll get lactic yeah, acid and I have to it, back off. That's a good point now about not wanting to injure yourself because the mm. lactic acid builds up and builds up and builds up. But essentially, because I'm sure this is true. Someone out there can probably correct me if it's not. But horses will run until they die. So right. they literally just run and run and run and run and run and they do not stop and they keel over and die. Whereas humans have that inbuilt ability where they stop themselves. Mm. If anybody's listened to any David, Gog David Goggins stuff, he has the 20% done rule 80% done rule right. so when you think that you're at your absolute limit your body's only given something like 20% of what it can give and you can give far more because mm. he does all sorts of absolutely crazy stuff but that's because as humans we have that inbuilt mechanism where we have all those warning signs yeah. that go off saying stop you're going to hurt yourself um, but that's interesting mm. so now you're, you're you're part horse now you're like a horse yeah, yeah, my left, you my can right just keep going like a machine <laughs> I know yeah I'm just I'm going to get an e-bike and just pedal on my right leg I'll be able to go for ages did you have any so obviously you started riding again yeah. Running trails and everything. Yeah. Jumps. Little ones. Yeah, good good effort. So how have <laughs> you got on with the mental side of that? Because I imagine a lot yeah. of people listening to this will have had in fact I had somebody recently who messaged me who was sixty eight, good lad. Um and he broke his collarbone and he's not been on the bike since because he's scared to get out back okay. back riding. And I can relate to that because when I've done my wrist, I've done both ankles, we've all had crashes where we've yep. hurt ourselves and not even broken a bone. It definitely plays on your mind. Mm. We did the mindset guide where we gave a lot of tips yep. on tips on that cheeky plug. Yep. Um, but yeah, so how, it'd be nice to hear your personal experience, and I'm sure you can seed some, you know, general tips in there for everybody around that. Yeah, I, I kind of going through the rehab. I kind of accepted that I was going to be nervous mm. when I went back out on the bike, um, and kind of promised myself I'd take it easy, do easy trails. So my first ride out was um, in Warney. Uh, <laughs> As you do. Yeah, as So you for do. those who don't know, one cliff is uh, like Steve Pete's batting ground. So yeah, the trails get as technical you would yeah. like, don't they? But we did take it. We were on the easier trails, um, which was fine. And that was good. And then probably a couple of weeks later, I went back out with a friend, Ben, who lives at the bottom of Warncliffe. And uh, we went down Fast Track, which starts with a really steep, rocky kind of section. And um, I didn't do it. 
I went round the other way and I rode to the top and looked and went, I'm scared. I was actually scared. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So I went round and to get over that, I accepted it. I think it goes back to accepting the position you were in. I accepted that position that I wasn't going to do that that day and not to dwell on it and not to feel bad. I know I'd done it and I knew I was capable of doing it. But right on that moment in time, I wasn't doing it. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have a good ride. I'm going to do all the other trails. And I rode everything else that's further down there that people who ride Wooncliffe will know. Um, and I rode them all fine. Did you feel guilty or like you were letting yourself down? And did that kind of creep in and then you had to push it aside? Or did you literally just yeah, feel fine? Yeah, no, it did. I was like, I know I can do it. I should do it. And yeah. I was like, no, it doesn't feel right. And I think what I've learned is if it doesn't feel right, probably don't do it. Yeah. So probably something I've not said about the Farmer John incident was when I was pushing up, I didn't feel... It's really hard to explain. I didn't feel normal yeah. that day. There was a haze in my head. And if I'd listened to it, I shouldn't have probably gone down that route. Yeah. And I didn't listen to it. I wasn't concentrating on the riding. I wasn't focused. I was just riding. And I just set off. Pottering. Which is fine if you're not doing massive jumps. Yeah. Well, you need a bit of speed. Yeah. <laughs> and I still went up it and I literally got to the top and I was like, yeah, I've almost stopped. So I think I learned from that the hard way that you've got to listen to your body on that day and if you've, you might have ridden the trail 50 times and if you get to the top of it one day and you're like I don't feel it today then don't do it Yeah, because <laughs> things can go wrong badly um, and I just I looked at it and thought I know I can do it I will come back and do it but today I'm not doing it because this is like the third ride on my bike yeah. um, so I went around had a great day went back I'm not sure if it's the next weekend or the weekend after so it was like a week or two weeks went back and I said Ben we're going back to the same track and um, he didn't put any pressure on. We just start, we had a chat. And um, people who do know me and have ridden with me, when I'm going to do something new and it's a bit scary, I go really quiet. And I just switch off from everyone. And I went quiet. I just, they were all talking. I was like, no. Nah. And I, it's like a focus. I'm going to do it. And what I do, I, I imagine myself doing it. I picture myself, not from the perspective of the rider, I picture myself as a spectator. So watching myself do it go down and I don't crash. I don't, I never, I never, whenever I do sort of watching myself and sort of, I can't think of the word of it, what it's called where you visualize visualization. I never visualize a crash or myself falling. We do get people that come coaching with us where, well, if I do this, I can see myself crashing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we need to change that. That's the first <laughs> thing we need to change because you're not going to crash. So it's that having that positive attitude, that visualization. I always watch it from the third party. So I see myself right down how my body's moving, the position I'm in. And it's kind of me checking that I'm in the right place, right right position on the bike, right speed. Is that useful for everybody to do that? Or is that because you're a coach or you're used to watching people do it properly? It's something you have to learn. You have to practice visualization. You can't just suddenly do it. Some people will find it quite easy. And it's I think, more, I think, the third person side of it. That's a bit different. So I, I would do person, something similar yeah. where I picture myself riding something and if I'm feeling nervous about something i definitely do that so i'll kind of just run it through in my head how it should feel how the body position should be i'll feel the bike slipping a bit yep. where i know it's going to slip but i'll do that from like a gopro point of view yeah so you yeah. do it different way you're almost yeah. imaginary watching yourself watching myself yeah so i used to do it from riding perspective yeah and for racing i would because then you're memorizing the track yeah um and i think yeah probably you could be right from coaching i'm used to watching people right so i can see when people are right and wrong on a bike so i could see myself and i'd be in the right position and yeah. i know that when i did it i'd be in the right position um but i think you can do it for me either but both will need practice and i think the third party one's probably harder if yeah. you're not used to watching people yeah of course 
Um, so yeah, I did that, and then I circled round and I just rode off. Yeah, and well, did and it. did it. Yeah, good lad. And it was dead easy. The difficult bit though, right, is with things like that, is that you have to ride it with confidence. Yes. And we've talked about this before. We can chat about it now. Um, but that can be the hard bit because you've got to be nervous to ride it. Yeah, Maybe I'm not scared. scared. Well, scared. There nervous. you go. So you scared, go. You're scared yeah. to ride it, but you still have to ride it as if you're not scared. Yeah. So we've talked about many techniques to do that in the past. Um, one really good one that's always stuck with my in my mind is um, the commitment zone. Yep. Is that right? So yeah, that is where if you're doing yeah. a drop, the point of commitment, yeah. So if you're doing a drop and it's 10 meters down the trail, you have that point of commitment. Yep. And when you pass that, you cannot stop because no, something's going to go wrong. Yeah. yeah. I use that. I've been coaching myself and that's exactly what I would I did. There's a point that I teach on this you know, sort of trail yeah. where I'll say, you know, it's two backlinks away. Before that, once you're in there, you're doing it. Yeah. There's no breaking. There's no, you're going to do it. The outcome will be something. Hopefully it's good. Yeah but we need to do it with confidence. And once you're in there, you're focused on what you're doing. Yeah. And then, yeah, I rode it like a coach. I was looking for each grip point because it's kind of stepped. Yeah. So I'm going to get to there, get to there, and I'm done. Yeah. And I can breathe. And I breathe out. <laughs> yeah, I probably held my breath all the way down. And yeah, I made it. And I just carried on. Didn't how, even stop. <laughs> how does somebody know? I actually, I think the video of, well, this is out in a few weeks, but as we're talking about this, I'm posting a video, which was a little quote, which is walk today, ride tomorrow. Yep. Talking about this exact concept where if you get to a feature and you're really not feeling it, and it's not just you're a little bit nervous mm. because I think it's normal to get nervous yeah. on scary features. How do people know? So the, the concept is, so you walk it today, totally fine. Yep. Just come and ride it another time, which Absolutely. is what you did. But how do people know when they're really not feeling it and they shouldn't ride it today? Or because if you're doing a new feature, like you did that, it was even though you've done it before, it was a new feature for you yeah, because was, you've yeah. not done it on your new body. Um, yeah. <laughs> new body. So how does somebody know that it's not just nerves that they need to push through and they need to get over versus no, you shouldn't be riding it today? When I stood at the top of it the first time, I actually felt full butterflies in my stomach and mildly sick. I was like, mm, don't want to do this. Right. It's imagine it. I always think if you stood at the top of a cliff and you're a bit scared, yeah. probably step back a bit. Yeah. Um, if you're nervous, you might be nervous going in to see a new person. You might be going nervous going to the dentist, but you're going to go and do it. And it's that level. So it's understanding how much that's affecting your body. If you're feeling your heart rate rising, it's probably a little bit beyond nerves. That's okay. probably a bit more. I'm getting a bit. There's no reason. I'm just stood here, not moving. And my heart rate's going up. Yeah. And I feel massive butterflies in my stomach. That's how I felt stood at the top of it that day. And I was like, I'm not doing it. So it's the level of uh, the level of nerves, the level yeah. of fear, isn't it? Then yeah. is what you're saying. If you're feeling a little bit, because you should feel aroused, eh, up, but you should yeah. feel aroused when you're about to do yeah. something, shouldn't nervous you? Because, excitement. Yeah, you should feel that though. Yeah. It helps you perform because that's your your heart's yeah. pounding. It's diverting attention away from your blood away from your stomach, see your muscles. It's making you focus better. So yeah. you need that. I think sometimes when you don't have that and you go and ride a difficult trail, yeah. we've all had it where we're riding a trail that is quite dangerous, but you've done it that many times that you ride it almost too relaxed yep. and you're like, oh shit, and I need to concentrate a bit here. Like that was too relaxed. So you do need a bit of fear. So it's you the level of fear. Yeah. And I, I felt I couldn't see myself riding it. Didn't matter how much I tried in my head that day, I couldn't see myself I remember you telling me this before when we did the mindset guide and that was a really good one mm -hmm. that you have to be able to visualize and you do that because obviously if you're riding a new feature, you can 
you can you don't know exactly how it's going to feel no but you can use your past experience yes there's a I ride it all the time now, but when we first started chatting, there was a feature in my local woods, mm. which is a really steep shoot. And when you're on it, you can't stop. Yep. It finishes with a berm. So you're into it. You can drag the brakes down and skid down it, but then you have to hit the left-hand berm at the bottom. If you try and stop, like you literally just cannot. You'd slam on the brakes and the bike would keep going. <laughs> you'd be off. Like it's you're not stopping. Um, and I remember at the time, I don't think I'd ridden it two, three years yeah. ago. We were talking about this, how you picture it. Um, and the reason I couldn't imagine it is because I'd not done anything similar to yes. it. What helped me be able to visualize how it might feel was watching someone else go down it. Yep. And then I watched that and I could be like, ah, so the back brake is skidding a bit, but I can see there's a bit of traction and that helped me visualize it. Yeah. Then. So for me, watching someone else ride that, I could then start to picture it. And as I could start to picture how it might feel, it felt more doable then. Yeah. That's why when we're coaching, we do demos. So you know, you've, you've had Jack on recently, he's a coach, he does demos, you see him all the time. It's demo run and he flies past it a million miles an hour. <laughs> Not sure I saw that. <laughs> Can't ride that quick. <laughs> I've ridden with Jack once and his dog, and it went Jack, his dog, me. <laughs> I didn't see him again, so I got to the bottom. That was in Warney as well. Um, yeah, his dog was fast, Albus. <laughs> um, but yeah, we always do demos, and we try and do them at a speed that is comparable to the people we're coaching, so they can see it's done, they can see how it's done, and it helps them visualize it because everyone learns in a different way. Mm. Some people need to do it. Some people need to see it. Yeah. Some people need to do both. Some people need to talk about it endlessly. Um, and yeah, it's it's a hard one because yeah, I was physically scared because I had, I just didn't want to do it. I was scared and I didn't want to do it. Mm. And there was no reason for me to do it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of things happen sometimes when peer pressure can happen sometimes with groups. Yeah. You think, oh, I better do it. All my friends have done it. I'll go over it. There's nothing wrong with not doing it and going around mm. that day or for the next two weeks, years until you're ready to do it because you're at a different level of riding. Um, yeah. And new features. Yeah. You've got to visualize that. You know, if it's a bigger step down, for example, you've got to visualize yourself doing a bigger step down. I've done one similar. This is now bigger. So what do I need to adjust? More yeah. speed. There's going to be more time in the air. So more time to think. It's going to be a bigger landing, a harsher landing. Um, yeah. It's just different techniques we can use. Most are in that that document we did last time yeah know? yeah yeah but i think it'd be interesting for a lot of people listening to this because i had the same conversation with jack on monday mm. which the podcast will have come out two weeks before yours has just yep. come out um, and we had the same conversation because i think some people will picture that people with 30 years of experience skills guides pro riders don't get nervous about features mm. and jack was talking about he definitely gets nervous yeah. features just on a different level to other people and he was saying the same thing in that when he starts to get nervous about a feature he doesn't avoid it and hide from it. No. He does the exact opposite and he stops and he thinks, right, why am I feeling nervous about it? It's because of X, right? I'm going to picture myself now riding it how it should yep. feel and he visualizes it and then he does it, which yeah. is exactly what you just said. You don't hide from how you're feeling. You accept no. how you're feeling and go for it. Yeah, because it's not going to go away, that feeling, until think, you've done it. Yeah. I think as well, the other side of it as well is that sometimes you can put that much pressure on yourself to ride it that the anxiety just builds up and up and up and yeah. up and up and up and then you get terrified of it. Mm. And I think the fact that you allowed yourself to go and do it another day because then you know the second time when you come to it your brain almost knows i don't have to ride this because i let myself not ride it tomorrow that can help calm mm. me down a lot i think because yeah. then it becomes an option and you're not forcing yourself to do it i'd already as also between it i thought about it again and visualized yeah so i'd done a few different visualizations between the two rides to say yeah i can still ride it but not it wasn't on my mind constantly because no. it wasn't an issue because it was something i'd ridden before i'd done it before um yeah you know, the, the, the jump at John's that I did, 
I can see myself doing that again in my head. Will I do it again? I don't know yet is the question, is the answer. I don't know. People ask me, will you do it again? And when I was like lay up and my, I was like, yes, I'm going to go straight back and do it. I'll be fine. But now I'm like, do I need to? Yeah. And that question comes to me now. Do I need to? Mm. Do I need to do this? It's risk, uh, risk versus reward, yeah. isn't it? There's, I've there's done a, it. Yeah. <laughs> there's always going to be something bigger that you can ride. Um, there's all After that jump, there'll be a bigger jump and there's yeah, a bigger one. Exactly. And so unless you're a pro rider, you know, you're doing rampage. Like yeah. what level do you, do you want to stop at? And everybody's going to have that different yeah. level. And as you get older, as you get different injuries, that might change. Yeah. And it hurts more when you land. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got more responsibilities and you know, the, the younger kids we coach, they're just like, yeah, let's oh, go yeah. do this. I'm like, you're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. And you're not doing it. <laughs> I'm scared that you're doing it and I'm not doing it. So we're not doing it. Um, but then you get the older riders that come and they're totally like, I don't want to do that. And you're like, you can do this. I can see you can do it. What's stopping us? And we talk about it and I go, oh, well, I've got a really important meeting in two weeks. I can't be off the bike or I'm self-employed. Yeah. I can't do this. And I say, well, if that's the case, then does it matter? If you don't. Is this too much of a jump, an increase in your skill level? Are you trying to push too far too soon? And we do get it in coaching as well. People try and jump from where they are and they go, I want to go this far ahead and I want to jump 50% ahead and be better in a week. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. Mm. You might go 1%, 2%, half percent. Yeah. And you've got to take that and it's very slow and incremental. I mean, getting that through to the, a lot of people we coach, the kids as well, they, they want to rush. And I think the good ones, there's Hayden, at Hayden MTB on Instagram. Go give him a follow, he's ace. Um, he's with Jack now. I finished coaching him. He's moved up. Jack mentioned about yeah. him on Monday. <laughs> I can't keep up with Hayden. There was a point when I was like, I can't keep up with you anymore. You need to go somewhere else. Um, and I'm so glad he is and he's working and he's going ahead and he's at the gym. Yeah. He's the one that goes to the gym and uh, yeah, it's nice to see Hayden um, doing that and working with Jack. Yeah. Oh, great. You have got an exciting announcement today an announcement, yeah. for your coaching business. So for those who don't know, um, we've not really talked about it much. Ben, I'll have introduced you at the beginning, but Ben has We Ride Mountain Bike Coaching and Guiding yep. and he's a skills coach. So he coaches in Sheffield and can teach you how to become a wizard on the bike. But with that business, you've now got a big change coming in an exciting announcement. Yep, which we do. Yeah, we. We. Yeah, we. It's we. not you anymore. It's no, we. It's we. So yeah, there's a few people that coach up there and there's... Um, Two of us have, have had a chat and we're very much similar coaching styles, coaching ethos, the way we want to coach and the way we want to grow our business. One thing that came out of my accident was um, I pretty much worked seven days a week and didn't see anybody and didn't ride my bike a lot. Right. And um, it affects your personal life things. So Huge part of there. this announcement is, you know, this this other person we'll be working with um, also wanted the same. He's got two children now, a wife, house. He still wants to deliver coaching and be coaching. So uh, we've got we've got two companies that are coming together and it's going to make a big change to to what happens in Sheffield as coaching, um, but also to, to We Ride and the other company. Um, we Ride side is going to become more of a guiding adventure company. Oh, wow. Uh, which is where we wanted to be right at the beginning. That's how we started as We Ride Mountain Bike Adventures. Um, and then we, we, we ended up moving into coaching and, and coaching was very successful for us and we kind of let that fall away. Um, the other company is purely a coaching company. They're not guiding. So it fits very well that we have effectively now two companies. Um, so there'll be two companies out there. The other company we're going to work with, and lots of people will know the guy, he's, um, he's Gareth and he's from A-Line. So I'm going to be delivering coaching through A-Line 
Um, we're going to be running all our favourite courses like Road to Enduro, Road to Golfy still, but via A-Line rather than on We Ride. And We Ride's going to be doing a lot more guiding and adventure stuff, which I'm still trying to set up and work out. So that'll be a bit slower, but um, that's the big point there. And it's going to be, it's going to mean there's two coaches. Then before we can do the same people we were doing, we can specialise in the areas we love to do. Yeah. So, you know, Gareth, I'm hoping, loves jumping. <laughs> He's very good at jumping. I've seen him do three sixes and everything. So Gareth's going to do all the jumping courses and I'm going to stay on the ground from now on. Um, I like riding <laughs> no steep No particular stuff. reason, no, just fancy no. the change. I just like the steep stuff more. <laughs> it doesn't hurt when you fall off. <laughs> and I'm going to concentrate on things like steep stuff, and one-to-one courses, so it's very much one-to-ones, whereas Gareth likes to do groups. So it's very much working with us, being able to specialise a little bit more and deliver more for the clients and the riders, uh, but still giving that that uh, kind of same coaching ethos that we both have and same style and same uh, technique we both use for coaching, which is important to work together. There's no point in coaching in two different ways, but that's where we're going to be. And that's that's going to be announced before this podcast comes out. Yeah, it'll have to be now. It'll have to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be exciting times. It's, it's, it's going to be big. So I'm, already, I'm already on the website at A-Line, so if you really want to see it, oh, I'm okay. there. Oh, perfect. Um, I've just got to update my bio because it's a bit rubbish. <laughs> so you're going to have both websites still, or are you yep. rebranding? So nope. it's still going to be We Ride and A-Line, yep. and you're going to kind of work between so the A-Line's two going to be coaching. Yeah. We Ride's going to be guiding. Got you. Um, if you want to, if you contact us and book coaching, you can still book it. We'll push you to A-Line. Yeah. If you book, want to do some guiding, but we're going to do joint things together. So we might do some coaching where we go, say, to Scotland. Yeah. We do one day's coaching, one day's guiding, so we can put it into principle. Oh, that sounds great. Um, yeah, because Gareth isn't a qualified coach, so he can't technically take people out into the mountains. I'm a qualified co- uh, guide. I can't technically coach in the mountains i can give advice okay so you might want to drop your heels <laughs> you might want to do this rather than do that yeah all words in terminology but that's how the difference it makes is. a difference i don't know it's that guy who got sued legally yes yeah <laughs> massively <absolutely>, yeah. <laughs> you're not allowed to coach on top of hell Velen. it's too far away there are rules to coaching um so we'll do the coaching together and there may be some joint things we do where you get both me and gareth yeah um because gareth is a doctor um, I think he does some sports psychology stuff, so he's very much into oh, well. the head stuff. I'd love to get him on the podcast. Yeah, the head stuff and things like that. He loves all that yeah. much more than, than I know, so he's very much into that. Cool. Uh, so I think we'll com- complement each other, and it'll be a good thing for, for people around Sheffield and further afield that want to come and coach with us. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, for those people listening to this, underneath there'll be the link to both We Ride and I'll put yeah. the A-Line coaching. So get in touch with either of those. There's so much more we could have talked about here. It would have been good to talk know, to you yeah. about like, the not good to talk about, it's not a nice topic, but to talk about like the depression side of it because yeah, that's yeah. not something I knew actually. Um, so we'll definitely have to get you on to yeah, talk yeah. more about that and talk I think even more specific stuff we can go into, but yeah. there's always too much to talk about. And we'll have to do a five-hour podcast. I know, I know. <laughs> I, know. I don't think I've talked this much in ages. <laughs> no, it's really good. It's been great to hear all about it. And cool. congratulations on going from where you got to to where you are, because mm. I think that takes a lot of grit and determination to go from that injury to still getting yourself fit again and then riding and pushing through. So Thank you. you probably just take it for granted, but I think it's an inspirational thing. So Yeah, a few people well have said done. that. Oh, yes. But I don't see it. I just see it was like a hard, lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think most kind of people it. who've done anything inspiring don't really think they're doing something inspiring. Mm. They're just doing it. So yeah, I've had a few messages why saying it's inspiring you've really inspired us or it's been insp- inspirational watching your program. like, I just had to do it. <laughs> just had to go on with it. <laughs> Should have seen me when I was on my three foot tall toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I do have a shorter leg. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. it's been measured officially. I think it's eight centimetres. Oh, that's a big difference though. Apparently it's normal parameters, but there you go. Right. Oh, okay. 
Up, well on that note thank you so yep. much for coming on like I say anybody listening click the link in below oh and we touched on the mindset guide that we did together as yes. well so I've got a mindset guide which you can either buy on the website and then I think 60% of the information was directly from you on that so there's tons of good stuff about the mental side of riding yep. or anybody who's listening to this who's a member of the MTB Fit app it's available free in there um, so yeah go read that as well but yeah definitely go get in touch with yeah I read it there. You read it, good. <laughs> After my accident. <laughs> <laughs> Got some tips. Yeah, I couldn't remember any of them. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been right. real. No problem.